little late arriving today. I don't want to point any fingers, but you could point at everyone. So I'm pretty sure we need to warm up, you know, because most of you miss the music. Uh, so I want you to turn to people near you and sort of build up their faith. Build up their faith. Get the blood flowing. Get the juices flowing. Get the spirit moving. So today we'll say, you made it. You made it. You know, not just, not just to service today, but you made it to 2023. You made it to 2023. And you should feel good about that. You should feel good about it. So make sure the people around you feel really good. You should feel good about this. This is no mean feat. Jojo abandoned you? Uh. All right. Is the faith up? How did you do on your resolutions? Kwok asked you. I didn't hear a lot of enthusiasm about that. At our Ohana group this week, we went through our New Year's resolutions. Um, I encourage every Ohana group leader to do that. Uh, I may be the only one who does it, but what we do at my Ohana group is that we go around the room and everybody is forced to say at least, hey, John, what's he doing? He's also in the bathroom with, with Jojo. Um, I make everybody say at least one New Year's resolution and then I write them down everybody's, everybody's in the group. And then in June, I revisit them and, uh, and then mercilessly tease anyone who has failed to follow through because I'm a shepherd and, and, and teasing is, is, uh, is like my rod and my staff. Uh, that's how I do things. But I must say, at our Ohana group, we had some great New Year's resolutions. Uh, Mike resolved to do more vegetarian meals for himself this year. So that's a list topper right there. And being Mike Tober, what he did is he went and got a really cool vegetarian cookbook. Partially vegetarian cookbook. We'll work on that. Because he, like, he does nothing halfway, right? And he's going to make some grand and, and glorious vegetarian meal. He brought a mushroom soup uh, to a Hanna group Wednesday. How was that, guys? There's like people were swooning over the soup. So there was that one. Um, one of the gals resolved to like beat diabetes because she's starting to like crest into that diabetic area of life. Her that uh, another couple of our women, none of whom I think are here in this service, resolved to find guys this year. That, that was really popular at our Ohana group. <laughs> so men, if you're available, uh, Wednesday night, Kaneohe, come. Uh, some eager ladies, eager young women. Uh, uh, there was uh, a couple re uh, resolutions about inviting people uh, to church things. People are really uh, being wonderfully uh, gathering, wonderfully evangelistic. So they decided to just kind of keep score on invitations because, you know, it's statistical in a way. The more you invite, uh, the more you succeed. So that was good. Uh, family Sunday uh, was a resolution I had to sort of take take family uh, time Sunday, do nothing, no chores, stuff like that. Uh, no swearing was one. I won't, I won't say who. Um, but it wasn't me this time. So I, I felt like that was good. And there was lots of uh, music stuff. Um, here, here's what makes a good, a, a good resolution. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week, but I was reflecting on it again uh, this week. It's like, you know, we are people of change, right? Because we're Jesus followers. And, you know, we do really great at faith and we do really great at growth. 
You know, Jesus has all of these kingdom parables about how the kingdom of God on earth is about growth, right? It's about gathering, it's about, it's about changing, it's about maturing, it's about producing harvest, all of these different ways that Jesus talks about it. So we are very changeful people. That's a word I really like, changeful. Probably won't find it in the dictionary, but a good one. So we're incredibly changeful, incredibly transformative people on the other hand, there are things about us that don't change. And you need both. You need both to succeed. You have to be incredibly changeful and incredibly unchanging, right? Uh, this is the spirit of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The spirit of the world says you need to be unchanging <laughs> in ways that need to be changed. <laughs> and you need to be willing to let go of things you shouldn't let go of, right? So it's kind of the, the converse, it's sort of the opposite. And so we need to be very changeful, but we need to understand what to change. We need to be unchanging. We need to understand what it is about our lives that should never change, should never change. The things having to do with the Lord, the things having to do with the great principles of faith, things having to do with our overall uh, trajectory. Um, God's not uh, bound by the calendar, right? He's timeless. He doesn't necessarily work on 12-month cycles as we tend to do. But we do often evaluate the world at New Year's, right? We evaluate our lives and we also evaluate the world as New Year's approaches. All of the media services do these top 10 of 2022, right? And you read through all these lists. This was the important stuff that happened one of the verses that has really shaped my life in this regard comes from the story of the coronation of David. Obscure story, I know, for many of you, but this really leapt out at me even when I was a child. When David was made king, um, all the tribes of Israel sent representatives to the coronation. And what they did typically is that the tribes would send uh, thousands of men under arms, armed men, right? Because soldiers are a symbol of might. And this is what you want to pledge to the king. You want to pledge your, your power. And I'm like, we will stand with you against our enemies, O king. And so there's this long list of how, you know, the tribe of Judah sent so-and-so and the tribe of Naphtali sent so-and-so, all of these armed soldiers. From Issachar, it says, Men who understood times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs and all their relatives. So the tribe of Issachar did not send armed soldiers. The tribe of Issachar sent 200 wise elders who understood the times in which they lived and what to do. Understood the world around them. And the implication of the story is that 200 wise men trumps 20,000 armed soldiers provided the wise men reading that when I was a kid, I mean, like I was probably in junior high school and thinking, I really want to understand the world, you know, not just not just God. Read the world accurately, because then I'll be a very valuable dude. That's, that was my thinking. So here's a good warm-up question for us today. See how we're doing with that metric of power and maturity. Let me ask you simply, what's going on in the world right now? What's going on in the world? Of course, we need to essentialize it a little bit. What's, 
what are the most important things that are going on in the world right now. And you might think of it in terms of things that need to change and things that shouldn't change. So this is a very complicated warm-up question, right? But since this is the best service we determined earlier, I'm sure you guys are going to be great. So I'm going to give you a full eight seconds to think about this. What's going on in the world right now? Think about it for a second. What the heck is really going on? All right, let's hear some good answers. What's going on in the world right now? What's really going on out there? Entropy. Entropy. Second law of thermodynamics, Mike the physicist. Uh, entropy if, uh, means uh, chaos, uh, devolvement. Things are getting increasingly disorganized rather than increasingly organized. Do you think that's true? Do you think we're getting increasingly disorganized? Interesting, though. I mean, that's, that's a great observation. It's provocative, and I like it. All right, uh, what else? What's going on out there in the world, really? Yeah, Al? People being persecuted for speaking truth. People being persecuted for speaking truth. You think that's accurate? Yeah. What's interesting about this is that that kind of always happens throughout world history, but I think probably what we're seeing in, in, over the last few years is people being persecuted and shut down in new, new ways, right? New creative ways, because we have all these new tools for doing it. So that's interesting. And we've invented all these phrases for our new tools. Cancel culture. Um, you know, the first online phrase was flaming. We're going to flame someone online. You, many of you are too young for knowing that. But Retraining, yes, yes. That's been used in several cultures now. And yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, persecuted for speaking truth. Truth is unpopular in a lot of quarters. What else? What else happening out there in the world? Censorship. Censorship, yeah, very related. Yeah, what else? The Spirit of God is moving more powerfully than he has in several decades. So there's a lot packed into that statement, but our first positive statement, which is nice. Uh, right? Because, I mean, one assumes that the Lord is always moving as well, just moving in the midst of challenges. Yeah, so I like that. What else? Come on. This is a warm-up question, so we're supposed to get warm. Roll your shoulders, crack your knuckles. You can look at me and roll your eyes if you want to. That happens a lot. What else? War, war, yeah, some are publicized, some not so much. Yeah, what else? Dick. Worry over economic uncertainty. Worry over economic uncertainty, yeah. Uh, because we, uh, well, we did a lot of economic wipeout over the last few years because of all the COVID stuff and the shutdowns and the wars and... All sorts of things like that. Yeah, so uh, unprecedented. We don't exactly understand how that's going to work out yet. So uncertainty is a good word. Was it? Yeah. 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 
interesting observation if you didn't hear it. There's sort of a move toward or a popularization of globalization. It's like, hey, we're one world, it's a small world, let's, do, let's try a one world currency or you know, let's negotiate one world treaties. And on the other hand, it seems like divisions, some divisions are greater than ever. And they get talked about a lot and they get popularized a lot. So there's kind of this, that's really astute social observation, I think. And so it's difficult to know how to navigate such paradox and tension. Yeah, brilliant. Mike has another one. Just because he's eating more vegetarian meals, <laughs> his brain is clearing. And uh, what you got? People breaking rules to help others. It's a very, in some ways, an elementary way to say it. But I think another astute social observation, you know, because... Uh, a lot of rules and norms are being uh, disregarded in the name of doing good, right? And so some people are very, very uncomfortable with that and some people are very excited about it. Um, so yeah, that's interesting, but it's very turbulent, yeah? One more, one more, you guys have done great. One more and whoever answers gets brownie points in heaven. This is the bonus. A generational transfer happening. Uh, meaning, unpack it just a little bit, Sense. So, the, the baby boomers, their identity is kind of passing on to the Xers. Yeah, so generational transfer of power and influence, the baby boomers are, um, are sort of uh, being eclipsed. In fact, boomer has become an insult, right? Say, hey, boomer, did you guys know that? Did you boomers know that? Uh, it's, it's become a derogatory word, which is really indicative of some interesting social shift. And then probably Gen Xers like me are, are, uh, are I mean, ascendancy, are, or we might even get uh, passed over us Xers because technology is playing to the wires and the zeers and the millennials and all those guys. Yeah, so a lot of change that way as well. The pace of change is probably increasing. Okay, you guys did a great job. Give yourself some snaps. in the midst of all of those things that are going on. And most of those things sounded really transformative to me, right? It's like, oh, well, this is new, this is new, that's new, that's, that's uh, very changeful. In the midst of all of that, you know, what, what, uh, what should we hold on to? Or you could say, if these are the things that are going on in the world, what should we be doing about it? How should be, we be responding to it? And maybe we're not in charge of the world, right? Maybe we're not in charge of the, the nation, uh, but what should we be doing about it personally and locally, uh, if nothing else? Those are very provocative questions. At the beginning of, of New Year's, uh, it is um, typical to try and get a vision for the year. Again, God doesn't work on 12-month cycles, but I was thinking about, well, you know, what's a good word for 2023? What do I think God is up to? Uh, in 2023, in, in our midst at Blue Water and in the world, how is the spirit moving? The question. And um, one of the things I've been thinking about is how to stand firm in the midst of all of these changes because I think it's been an extraordinarily changeful time in some ways. And, and Sophia talked about um, the tension, uh, right, between a move this way and a move that way. I think we're seeing a lot of that 
uh, in the world, how do we navigate appropriately, how do we stand firm about the things that we need to stand firm about and change the things that, that we need to change. Early on um, in my Christian life, one of the things I learned from scripture and from history, because I've always been a history buff, was that I learned that the world is deceptive, that it's really difficult to know what's going on in the world at any given moment. That history happens in, in the present, but very, very few people understand it until decades later. And then sometimes, decade later, we go back and we revise history according to what's happening in the present, right? As if we could change the past. Uh, that's happening a lot these days, uh, I think. The world is deceptive, and wise people have a steady hand in the midst of all of the turbulence. So the tension that's really important to me is like, Turbulence in the present, but kind of a steady hand on the tiller, if you'll pardon a sailing analogy. I wore a sailing shirt today. In fact, I think sailing, uh, ocean sailing is a great analogy for navigating life in a lot of, of respects. Um, when you're out there sailing in the middle of the ocean and things get turbulent, say a storm comes, you're on a sailboat, well, you have to make adjustments to, to the wind that's blowing at the moment. And if the waves are really high and really rough, you have to make adjustments to how the waves are hitting you at the moment, right? So you make these small adjustments in your boat. Um, those are like present circumstances. But if you're in the middle of the ocean, if you're going to get anywhere, you don't navigate according to the wind and you don't navigate according to the waves. You navigate according to the stars, right? Or these days, a GPS satellite. Um, <laughs> You have to look at the higher things while managing the lower things. That's a great analogy for life, right? You don't get to sail the boat however you want to because circumstances can buffet you. But neither should you lose track of where you're going and how to get there. That's life. Somebody say amen because that's a really good point. That's a, that's a really good blue water sailing analogy and we should probably remember this. Um, so uh, a good sailor has a steady hand at the tiller. That, that's actually where that phrase comes from. It's like no matter what's going on, if you're an excellent sailor, you take it in stride and you keep the boat going more or less where it's supposed to go uh, anyway. You adjust for the wind and the waves, but you navigate by the stars. You adjust to that which is temporary, but you navigate according to that which is transcendent. When I think about this, one of the passages I think about is kind of probably the most famous passage about this, from Matthew chapter 24. And what's happening in Matthew 24, this will be our scripture for the day, is uh, Jesus and his guys are walking through Jerusalem. And, uh, and the boys are uh, a little bit nervous uh, about uh, Jesus' mood. Um, he's about to get killed, and he has told them, but they don't quite understand uh, what's going on yet. Uh, he has been a bit cantankerous in Jerusalem because the stuff that he's seen around the temple has, has uh, rankled him quite a bit. He doesn't think that the religious rulers of the day are, are being a very good job. And so I think the disciples are trying to placate him a little bit. And so they're saying, oh, look at this impressive architecture, Jesus. Look at this impressive temple, Jesus, because you know, the temple was the pride uh, of, of the Jews. And Jesus 
responds to them ultimately, he begins by saying, watch out that no one deceives you, right? Don't fix your eyes too much on the impressive things that are around you. Uh, and then he goes on to tell them about the future. Uh, he says, many will come in my name, they'll deceive you, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, nations will rise up against nations, there'll be earthquakes and famines. He lists all of these tragedies that are to come. Now, there have been a lot of those over the last 2,000 years, so I don't think that Jesus was predicting any specific tragedy, well, with one exception, any specific tragedy. I, I think he's just telling his guys, look, don't fixate on what you see around you because everything will be shaken at one time or another. Everything that you count on will be shaken one time or another. He goes on to say, and you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Well, that's comforting. Uh, but he says it's going to be hard for, for us as well, our little group. You'll be hated by nations because of me. Entire people groups will turn against you, which was a very heady thing to say to a bunch of fishermen who hadn't even started much of a movement yet, right? At that time, I pick it up in verse 10. I think this is going to be on the big board. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Um, when turbulence dominates people, their first reaction is to give up on faith. What's the opposite of faith? Fear is the opposite of faith, right? So if you give up on faith, you embrace fear. So when there's a lot of turbulence, some people will embrace fear, and the result of that will be they will hate each other because fear and hate always go together. Fear and accusation always go together. So when turbulence overwhelms people, they give up on faith, they turn to fear, they start beating on each other and hating each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. There are, there are false leaders who try to make the most of faith, excuse me, make the most of fear and accusation and division. That happens. That's a, one of those constant patterns in world history. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, which is an interesting phrase. It means even people who are trying to be loving will lose their momentum. They will give up on love. They will retrench. They will go cold instead of burning hot. If the world is fearful and accusatory, one would hope that the people of love would burn hot. But Jesus will say, but the negative environment, the wickedness environment, will actually snuff out cold, excuse me, snuff out love among people. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all ethnies, all ethnic groups, that means. And then, then the end will come later. The end will come later. So, uh, Lots of cool observations about how people behave during turbulent and uncertain times. And, you know, without belaboring it, I think we're seeing a lot of that today in our society. Indeed, I think the world is seeing a lot of that today. Uh, as people are, instead of embracing faith, they're embracing fear as if fear is a virtue that will keep us safe. Um, but in fact, it's a virtue that divides us and causes us to hate each other. And it quenches love rather than developing it. The goal here is to stand firm, but he who stands firm to the end 
will be saved. The world is violent right now. The world is fear-based right now. It's accusatory right now. It's unremittingly deceptive right now, I think. Uh, and all of that begs a huge question. What must we do to stand firm? Lots of wind, lots of waves. What must we do to keep a steady hand at the tiller? And I think that's my word for 2023. Um, it's what I feel like the Lord is saying to us. Keep a steady hand. Don't freak out. Navigate by the stars, not by the wind and the waves. As we're not out of the storm yet, people. <laughs> um, we're not out of the storm yet. Uh, what must we do to stand firm? And so I would say two things, uh, which uh, are not super uh, insightful or revelatory, but I think helpful nonetheless. Number one, know what you trust and what you can't trust. Know what you can trust and what you can't trust. And number two, don't get pushed around. Don't get pushed around. When there's a storm at sea and you're sailing out there, you're fighting to continue your way west or whatever, direction you happen to be going, the temptation is to turn the boat and run before the storm, which is to say, just put the wind uh, at the gentlest quarter and just kind of go with the wind instead of fighting it. Um, and a lot of us have done that this year. A lot of Christians uh, have done it. Uh, nope, keep a steady hand, navigate through the storms, and when it finally clears, <laughs> uh, you'll still be going in the right direction. Are you following me? Everybody give one clap. That's what we're talking about here. Um, like many of you, um, I mean, what, what's, what's been the big theme of the last three years in the world? Hmm? COVID? There was this virus. Did you notice? You talk about the world being deceptive and uncertain and turbulent. Uh, the thing I like about COVID um, is that it's just such a great symbol, an example uh, of what we're talking about. Because COVID burst on the scene, and it was kind of inherently fear-based, fear right? Because we don't know what this thing is. It, like, you can't see it. It's like this invisible force kind of. You know, maybe under a uh, super powerful microscope you could. Um, and uh, so the temptation was to freak out right away. And then there were two reactions to it at, at the beginning, right? There was uh, one camp of people that said, well, it's probably just a flu, right? Like, it's probably not as bad as we think it is. Why would people say that? Well, because we've been through this many times before. effects on any individual is, are actually less than the flu. That's, a, that's a, a lesser case mortality than the flu at this point, but super contagious. And so way more people got it uh, than we would suspect. And so, you know, in this country, it was like uh, Trump and some conservatives who said, oh, don't worry about it. We got this. And it turned out that they were wrong, uh, much to their electoral demise. And then there were people like, no, this is terrible. The problem with it is that 
your judgment got politicized right at the beginning and then politics got involved and then nobody could think clearly about anything uh, from then on. So the first deception was, well, maybe it's not that bad. You could call that a deception if you want to. Uh, and then there was all of this controversy about masks. Do you guys remember that? It's like, no, don't wear masks, the CDC was saying. And then it was like, we need a mask mandate, right? And so people have known what to do with masks. I actually read some large-end studies about masks. It turns out that the largest, most reliable studies say that masks slow the spread of the virus by 10 or 15%, which is not huge. Um, but those studies got uh, suppressed for a long time because they were politically disadvantageous. And so that's gone back and forth and back and forth. And it was like, wear it to protect you. No, wear it if you have COVID to protect others. And so we didn't know what to do. Um, then there were shutdowns, shelter in place. And there was a lot of variety about this around the world. There was like China, Australia, New Zealand. It was like if you went outside, you were imprisoned. All right. And then there were places like, oh, you know, all of Africa, um, Sweden, famously in Europe, was like, no, we're not going to shut down at all. Um, over time, the places that didn't shut down actually did better. Uh, you don't read about that, depending on what news services you listen to. Um, but Sweden has among the lowest infection and mortality rates, well, lowest mortality rates, I should say, in Europe. And puzzlingly, Africa came out incredibly well from COVID, like, like incredibly well. It's almost like they can't even find COVID in certain places around Africa now. Um, probably has to do with herd immunity and stuff like that. But that was a big thing. So what do you believe about that? It's like you don't know. Uh, there was like, well, this is a man-made virus. It came out of a lab in China. No, that's racist. I think we're at a point now, don't let me offend anybody, but I think we all agree it's a man-made virus now. No, we don't? Yes? It was the same city, but it was animal. Animal, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> I think people who are talking honestly about it now kind of realize that, no, this was a laboratory specimen. But it's super controversial is what I'm saying, right? And so, like, we don't, we don't really know. And, and, and does that make a difference? And am I allowed to say that? Am I not allowed to say that? Then there's vaccines. Oh, that's not controversial at all. It was like, no, this is 98% per, uh, effective in stopping the virus. 93% effective in stopping the virus. Actually, in some places now, if you're vaccinated, you're more likely to get the virus than people who are unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Do you remember that? It turns out that now experts at the CDC are saying, well, we knew all along that vaccines wouldn't prevent infection but they prevent the severity, uh, high severity of infection when you get it, right? That's been, that's been the change. And so, anyway, so very, all I'm saying when I go through all of this stuff is that um, nobody knew, really, right? And you tended to say things that you wanted to say. And I think we can all agree that along the way, we weren't allowed to disagree. Right? If you disagreed with whatever was being said, well, then you were banned from YouTube. Right? You were banned from Twitter and stuff like that. It, it, censorship, somebody said. Uh, and so it became, not only was it fear-based, but it was very, uh, very accusatory. And you were, to my point, 
You didn't know what you could trust and what you couldn't trust. And you were pushed around. You know, vaccine passports and places and stuff like that. Um, so it was a very uncertain time and a very pushy time. And we're going to have difficulty crawling out of it because we're still afraid to say certain things. Right? It's a very difficult time for any of us to just keep a steady hand at the tiller. You know, and that's just COVID. There were some other issues. Political environment was not gentle. Right? Uh, justice environment was not gentle to us. Um, so if Matthew 24 is right, that means that many people during such seasons will lose faith. Do you think that happened? I think that happened a lot, yeah. So we lost tons of folks at Blue Water who just got uh, fed up. We lost people from Blue Water for lots of reasons, but um, I had... Uh, we were trying to kind of walk the, the COVID thing and the vaccine thing as well as we could at Blue Water. We actually did two services for a while. Do you remember that? Because Palama wouldn't let anybody who didn't have a vaccination card step on campus. But we felt like, well, other people should probably be able to gather. So we did two services. There are people at Blue Water that got so mad at us for doing that, for, for letting unvaccinated people gather to worship that I've never, I knew them for 15 years. They haven't spoken to me since. Good people, good, good people, good, loving people, right? But it's a tough environment, really tough. And that might be an extreme example, but I bet you have relationships that due to COVID or due to justice, social justice, racial justice, or due to politics, you probably lost them, right? The love of many will grow cold. The love of many will. How do you stand firm? in the midst of that. Exactly what should we do? Again, if you're here, you made it. Turn to somebody and say, you made it. Uh, because I'm making the, the presumption that those of us who still kind of gather and hang together in the midst of our diversity and being uncertain and knocked around, it's like, you've actually done some serious faith work uh, to be here. How did you make it? is the question, or how shall we make it going forward? And, and I will say something that I've said oftentimes, grace is, is the most stabilizing virtue of them all. I think it's the most unique Christian virtue there is. Unfortunately, I think that not even most Christians truly understand grace. Grace means to have a standard and to be generous about it. You have to do both. You can't pretend there is no standard, there is no truth and neither can you be judgmental. You have to be able uh, to do both, and that's grace. It's radical generosity, not relativism. Um, and when you have grace, it allows things to be imperfect even while you pursue perfection. And I think it is the quintessential Christian virtue. Whenever anything uncertain happens, whenever anything fearful happens, whenever anything dramatic happens in life, whenever anything traumatic happens in life, the first thing you need is grace. The first thing. That's the whole key. You need to be able to uh, hold to the truth, but be gentle. 
with how you apply it, how you judge things. Right? You need to be able to stick together wheat and weeds in one field, as Jesus put it in a famous parable. If you don't do grace well in life, whatever trauma you're experiencing, whatever fear you're experiencing, whatever uncertainty you're experiencing, whatever turbulence you're experiencing, if you don't do grace well, there will be collateral damage. There will be ruptures everywhere. And, and basically that's what I, that, that's my characterization of the last three years. Oh, well, this is the season in which grace was made illegal. Right? Uncertainty was, well, that was just a given. We didn't know what was going on. But then we made grace illegal and huge amounts of collateral damage everywhere. Right? Not allowed to be generous. We had to be divided. We had to make judgments. We had to choose a side. Um, and many lost their faith and the love of many grew cold as a result. It took out a bunch of folks, a bunch of folks. Uh, we've been challenged in the grace area uh, as a community. Um, and uh, if you want to have a steady hand, if you want to stand firm, uh, then you're going to have to just recall what grace feels like. Right? You're going to have to speak boldly about the truth as nearly as you understand it. And you're going to have to kind of be generous with people and hope that they're generous uh, with you. doesn't sound very fancy, does it? Uh, but I think uh, if we do that in 2023, then we'll still be here at the end of 2023 and we'll probably have gathered a lot of other people onto the ship. Huh. Uh, because uh, whether they know it or not, the world is really hungry for faith, desperately hungry for faith. And they'll feel the grace feel the grace. I was talking to uh, a guy I'm trying to get to come to church um, talking with him for a few months and um, he has some church in his background for sure. Gone through some traumatic times and then was just shelled by the shutdown thing in you know like relationally and financially and stuff like that and uh, what he said to me is like well I actually tried to go to church uh, but I'm afraid that when I walk through the door people will ask me what side I'm on, right? And that's what was keeping him out of church. I said, ah, come to Blue Water. <laughs> come to Blue Water. Um, because what we do really well at Blue Water is that we offend everybody equally. <laughs> yeah, we know, we know, we know what we're about. All right, I've prattled on long enough about this thing. Um, I will leave you with an assignment. So get out your smartphones and your notebooks and let's do a, let's do a little bit of uh, a little bit of classwork. It's fill in the blank. It's fill in the blank. So that's not too bad, right? That's not too bad. Here we go. I'm going to put this up on the big board. I trust in blank. I refuse to let blank push me around. Fill it in for yourself. As the Spirit has kind of murmured in your soul this morning, uh, you know, 
has he given you some indication of, of what you want to put here? Okay, that first one, I trust in, here's the thing, you can't say God. Yeah, I know, I know, because you're good Christians and stuff. You can't say Jesus. Why? Well, because hopefully that's a given. Hopefully that's a given, right? The devil does not defeat us by getting us to disbelieve in God entirely. The devil defeats us by getting us to give up on some aspect of living the life of believing in God, right? Right? Gets us to abandon some principle, some virtue, usually not by rejecting it completely, but rather by just kind of being lukewarm toward it. Right? Lukewarm is the killer. Is the killer. The spirit of eh has murdered way more people in world history than the spirit of violence has. Um, so, you know, you have to be a little more specific than I trust in Jesus. Good for you. We sang it in the worship songs, and I'm very proud of you for that. But try to boil it down and personalize it and specify it a little bit more than that. And then I refuse to let blank push me around. You can't just say fear. Or if you do say fear, yeah, you're like, I caught you, didn't I? It, it, if, if you're going to say fear, say fear of what? You know, I'm not going to let fear of finances push me around. Well, because many of us have just been rocked financially by the last three years. So you have to be a little more specific than just saying fear or I won't let Jordan push me around. It's like, well, be specific. What is it about Jordan that you, you find really pushy and unacceptable? You know, you can write that down. All right, I'm gonna give you 60 seconds to do this, go. If you can't think of anything, just pull out your phone and tap on it like you're writing furiously. I should have passed out pencils for those of us who don't have phones. Boomers. Familiar verse from the book of James I was thinking about today. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives with grace. And it will be given him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. There's that turbulence that we were talking about. Uh, God is gracious and uh, we should trust that. Uh, maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions or maybe you just want to live 2023 in a progress-oriented sort of way. What I would uh, say to you is like, know what your truth is. Know what star you're following and keep a steady hand at the tiller. Do not overreact to the wind and the wave and the passions of the day and the latest headlines and the latest fear-mongering that's happening. No. Steady on, people. Steady on. I have a, a strong intuition, sort of a prophetic sense, that the pace of change in the world will not lessen, but it will actually increase in 2023 and perhaps particularly in 2024. There is stuff coming down the pike that even if it's not as fearsome, will be more destabilizing for us. There are all sorts of technological things coming down the pike and I think the floodgates have opened in this respect and lots of social things and 
And whenever there's turbulence, there's always a temptation for fear and division and accusation and loss of faith and loss of love. Or you keep a steady hand, you kind of navigate it, and then as you go, you realize that you're just farther along your journey than you have ever been. And that's the experience that I want us to have in 2023. So I bless your hands to be steady. I bless you to know what you're about. I bless you to know what star you are following. And I bless you to be specific and clear-minded about it, not to be vague, but to actually fight this battle, to actually be navigators instead of passengers. Father God, I pray that you would clarify uh, these things for us. And uh, I pray that in a complicated time, we could be simple. I pray that in a fearful time, we would be brave. I pray that in a tough financial time, we would be generous and peaceful. I pray that in a divisive time, we would be gloriously loving. I ask, Father, that our family would grow and that many will be saved who stand firm with us till the end. In Jesus' name, everybody says. All right, thanks for doing that exercise, guys. Uh, you did great.